Hello and welcome, folks, to another edition of RSF Radio. I'm your host, Joe Monday, and today is March 15th. And you are listening to another edition of RSF Radio. I'm your host, Joe Monday, and this is the podcast where we talk about everything that's been going on on the front page of R Street Fighter throughout the week. Uh, that's right. And I could start off with the first topic, but before getting to that, I do want to issue another uh, slight apology for the weekly tournament. Again, it wasn't up to my own personal standards. The game ran real shitty, and just want a big thank you to everyone out there who was very patient uh, with that tournament. Because it didn't... <sighs> It was shitty because it didn't hi- it didn't allow us to highlight the abilities of the players who turned up. Uh, even though, if you were to go back and watch those matches, like if you had a clean version of all of those sets, uh, it actually looked to be a really awesome tournament, in my opinion. I mean, Grand Finals was really awesome. Winners Finals into gr- Grand Finals, uh, I thought was actually really exciting. And I would go back and watch it if I had a clean cut of it, but we don't. And unfortunately, uh, that was the case last week, and I apologize for that, and next week, hope next by next week, I mean next Monday, so in a couple days from now, uh, that should be all tightened up and all good, so hopefully by Monday, things will all be fixed up. Which doesn't take away from, that doesn't take away from Friday's tournament, which is run by Kamikaze Warrior. It's a different, whole different thing that's kind of on him. Uh, even though we kind of like talk back and forth and help each other out. But regardless, uh, the West Coast tournament will be on Friday. Monday tournament, again, for the East Coast will take place on Monday. Hopefully things will be fixed. And what else we got? Uh, the Again, the Chris CCH uh, sponsorship. That's going through. That's going well. It's going good. A little update on that. We're going to plan his AMA. His, uh, I think we're going to delay the AMA. We're going to delay the like the hype stream for it because we're going to wait until the round of voting for the, nom- the nominations for uh, the next tournament because right now we're, we're we already have excess money for sending people to combo breaker so let's lock down who we're going to send or how many people we're going to send depending on you know what the people want what you guys say uh, we'll go through a round of voting we almost have a lock on names, I think. I've sent it out there enough times through uh, at RedNSF on Twitter and through the sub. People know about it. It's been out there for a couple weeks. Uh, we've collected a pretty good set of names, I think. Pretty good list of strong players out there. Uh, for at least the players who have not been courted by uh, sponsors, which we'll get into later in the show. But I think by next week we'll start a round of voting. I don't know which day next week. Uh, depending on my schedule. Again, we did not plan this one into our schedule to be fully funded by like day one uh, of the sponsorship. So, I mean, that's exciting and I'm looking forward to whatever we got going on next. But with that in mind, delaying the kind of all the hype building stuff that Chris CCH had planned for, you know, meeting those stretch goals uh, to, I guess, boost the fundraiser again, but we don't need those. Uh, until we have set up we're already set up for the next fundraiser so looking forward to that as well so let's actually get into the first topics of the week all right this one kind of starting off on a really shitty note sorry i did this last week i made a shit sandwich out of the 
out of the podcast and we all ate it together. It was delicious. Uh, getting looks across the room. Wife didn't like shit sandwich. Uh, so this kind of goes back to uh, the mass shooting that took place at uh, in Las Vegas a couple months ago. Was it even a couple months ago? There's been a lot of mass shootings. Uh, and I don't want to talk lightly on that, and Eva is not taking that lightly because there was a threatening of a mass shooting to occur at Evo. It happened on stream in the chat. And I want to let you guys know, if you haven't seen it already, but that has been reported, and I implore you to also report that as well. Uh, there's links to everything you'd want to do in the comments here uh, to make sure that this goes to the proper authorities and that is elevated. Because that was the thing, whenever I saw that report of the, of the mass shooting in Mandalay Bay a couple months ago, that just killed my heart and it killed a lot of people's hearts in the FGC I know because we all think of oh that's Evo that's where the most people go within the FGC at any one point in time and then you start thinking about the families that are there and the kids that are there there's always like a lot of kids in Vegas which is always somewhat odd to me but regardless that's where my mind went and I know that's where a lot of minds went for the people in the FGC, people who plan on attending that event. And of course we're gonna attend that event that event this year, later this year, because it's Evo. That's that's the Mecca. You go there. And I don't want anything to to tarnish that. I don't want to have that in the back of my head. I want everyone to have, be having a good time and not think about, oh, there was a threatening of violence against this mass of people. And we will not stand for that. And the people who run Evo will not stand for that. Uh, us as the FGC should not stand for that. And people who, even if it was a joke, it's very well, it is very likely that this was a joke. Regardless, should be taken 100% serious. And the person who made such threats uh, should be taken 100% serious and should be uh, sought after to every extent of the law for making such claims. Not right now. Come on, man. That's unacceptable behavior. And hopefully everything will be all right. And I don't expect anything bad to happen. I don't want to live in a world where I am always expecting something bad to happen or fear for, for things like that. That's just not the culture I want to live in. And I'm sure that's not the culture anyone else here wants to live in. And I'm looking forward to evil. I cannot wait to attend it this year. Hopefully I'll again get to ride an elevator with Ice Cube and maybe I'll make up for the embarrassment I was last year. So, anyway folks, enough of that. Let's get into maybe some more fun stuff. Uh, interesting story here. Interesting little topic. Next on the docket is that the Capcom Pro Tour reveals that they're entering into a partnership with Facebook and YouTube, uh, which is interesting. Uh, it basically only says that they're going to try to promote and boost the viewership through Facebook, have the videos on YouTube, but it, I do want to point out, and this is said in the article, that it is not an exclusivity deal. Uh, so there will still be Twitch streams of this stuff. Um, like you do and like they have done for, for the last couple of years. Uh, that will still continue, I assume. Many of us will assume. 
but it looks like they're trying to back away from having that solely streamed through Twitch, which is interesting. I mean, if you think about it, anyone in social, social what's the actual like, job description of that when you're in like the social media manager? Anyone whose job description is that. The guy who runs the, the Twitter account for Arby's, let's say. Uh, anyone in that position will tell you that the most views and most interaction is not actually from Twitter. It's not actually from Twitch. not from any of those things. It's mostly through Facebook. If you don't have a Facebook plan, then you don't... You're not reaching the amount of people you would be able to otherwise. And so it makes sense that Capcom would go after that market as well, boost their own posts and try to get out in front of the correct targeted audiences of people who would want to view uh, some esports events, uh, like the Capcom Pro Tour, for example. And that's interesting, and I think it's good overall. And it's also doubly good that it's not an exclusivity deal, and that's... I don't know, it's all good. It's all good stuff. To get anything that gets more people into fighting games and enjoying fighting games, I'm all for that. It's all good stuff. Okay, next bit of tech. Okay, moving on. Javits. Uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, I highly recommend it. If you care about tech and also maybe like sexy lady Instagram for whatever reason, he's always, share, he's always sharing that stuff. That'll always pop up. It's like forewarning also when you follow Javits is that sometimes you'll get some some Instagram ladies on your timeline and you'll go, I don't follow this. Oh, that's Javits. That's a, he's sending that to CN, of course. And they're just, they're tweeting each other back and forth of sexy ladies. Okay, FGC. Regardless, if you do follow him, what you can also look forward to is the tech that he posts and the tech that he collects. A uh, couple weeks ago, we talked about Blanca Tech being in Twitter moments and I, I hate the Twitter moments are a thing and that that's how tech is kind of uh, amassed uh, and how it's collected and aggregated. I hate it, but that's the reality that we live in right now. And so this one was posted for Monat, and there is a buttload of Monat tech here. It's definitely worthwhile if you want to dig into Monat and you want to play the most technical character in Street Fighter V. Uh, all of this is valuable. Uh, this link is valuable. The comments to this are valuable, and this... <laughs> For what it's worth, even though it's hard to parse because it's a Twitter moment, you kind of have to just scroll all the way through it. That's kind of unfortunate. However, there's a lot of good stuff here, and I would recommend digging into this if you play Monat specifically. There's a lot of really cool setups here, and a lot of really tricky stuff that I would definitely get hit by if I was trying to block it. Alright, speaking of tech and technical characters, uh, here's a character that might not be so technical. Uh, this is another interview series uh, by uh, Nicholas Taylor, posted on Event Hubs. He's been doing series like this, and I fucking love it. Uh, it's it's so good. Uh, this kind of, at least in my opinion, I find this extremely helpful and extremely useful, uh, and really good at spreading accurate and good information about certain characters online, let's say, uh, because what he does is he sits down with uh, top players of their respective characters. Uh, for example, he sat down with Riketsu and talked about Vega or Ixion about Nash, 
and these are people who are very knowledgeable about them and he says well what is right with this character what's wrong uh and this week he sat down with alex myers to talk about sakura a lot of people say and i'm sure you've heard this if you've watched any tournament stream of oh there's sakura you know she's not too good or you see those tier lists and sakura is usually near the bottom not quite lowest tier but she's right she's right down there and you might ask yourself well why is that exactly she seems to have pretty good combos that v trigger two seems pretty hot her standing light kick's really good like so what's up what's up with sakura and what uh what Nicholas Taylor does here is that he goes through, sits down with the pro, and says, tell me. He asks all the right questions, gets into it himself. Detailed reporting on specific character stuff, and I love it. Uh, and I would highly recommend reading through this if you want to be and stay informed on where a character's at. Uh, Alex Myers goes through and basically lays out exactly why Sakura is not a very great character in Street Fighter V. Um, not very... Here's a little hint to it. One of the biggest problems is stand like kick conversions in the neutral. She used to be so good at nabbing that whiff punish, and then you're in it. She's got the pressure. She's going to uh, turn up the heat on you if she hits you in the neutral at all with anything. Not the case in Street Fighter V. Also, an issue that other characters have, specifically in... I actually don't dig into the specifics, the specifics of why this happens, uh, but... They also lay out that her counter hit combos off of a stand jab into stand medium punch, uh, they don't connect on counter hit, even though, well, the stand light punch to stand medium punch to back hard punch should connect on counter hit, but it doesn't uh, in specific instances. They don't really dig into why, but they just say, this is what happens. Here's video evidence of it uh, in situations where this like quote unquote should be working when you land a counter hit because it's only specific buttons that if you get counter hit we I've talked with Christy about this stuff ad nauseum if you want to dig into that stuff it's all has to deal with push boxes on frame one because maybe they'll take that out in the next patch uh, which I'm assuming there will be a patch coming because there are a couple characters who suffer from this in Street Fighter V where their light confirms or counter hit confirms uh, will whiff if if they get a counter hit because of push boxes existing on frame one. When it, all you'd have to do is just delay the push box to the active frame, and you should be fine. That should fix it in general for most of the cast. But regardless, that's another thing to talk about here. Um, among other things, I would recommend digging into this article if you care about Sakura, or if you just want to hear what pro players have to think about the character. And if you want to stay informed, if you want to get informed, if you want to know what the fuck you're talking about, maybe uh, maybe give this a read. All right, moving on. Okay, here's a funny bit. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really sure where I stand on this one, uh, but okay, let's dig into it. Uh, so there was a movie announced. Uh, so read the title of this one. Hey, I'm producing the first film set in the fighting game community. And you go, okay. That's, that's an interesting first line. People have tried it before. They've, they've made like short student films and plays from the FGC. But okay, where's this going? It's called Last Hit. Here's the, here's the kicker, though. Featuring Kayane, Jay Wong, Luffy... Check the page. Let them know what you think. And they've actually run like promotions. I actually think there's 
there's a thing where if you like interact with it at all on Facebook, I think he's giving away a fight stick. I can't remember which brand though. Uh, and I don't want to get it wrong, and I didn't share that link here. Uh, that is also on the subreddit, and it's probably also in this page if you click on it. Uh, follow the link in the comments. But by the way, uh, I don't know how I feel about this one because it stars uh, people who are not actors, and this is a movie. I mean, I love Kayane. I love just I love Justin Wong. I, I don't know how any of these people are as actors. Uh, and then you dig into what the producer is saying about it. And it's it's like a comedy along the lines of Goon, if you're familiar with that movie. This is a hockey movie uh, about enforcers and that kind of... What, would you call this B-tier? Is this a B movie or is this like lower than that? I, I'm getting shifty eyes looking sideways because, I mean, these are not professional actors. These are just people who, who know about fighting games, which on one hand you see that and you go, okay, that might lend some credence to, you know, what, what the FGC is actually like. That could be like a good check and balance against your script. That could be okay. Uh, but then you read the pitch to it and you go, oh, okay, uh, uh, a UFC fighter gets kicked in the taint so hard it almost kills him, and that's the start of your movie. Alright. Alright. People can't see this in the audio version, but I'm making a face. Alright. <laughs> we'll see how that one goes. Uh, and I mean, uh, the worst case scenario, it's just like uninterestingly bad. That would be the worst case scenario. Uh, it, and there's a couple good case scenarios where this could play out where it's still bad. We get like a samurai cop thing going on. That could be all right. Uh, and I'd be into that. That'd be okay. I'd be all right with that. But regardless, uh, I it's not going to be out for another year. And I'm sure that I mean, this guy's trying to create hype for it now. So uh, this will be a long one in the makings. Uh, so look forward to that in 2019. Okay, I think I think I am. I am. I'm excited for this <laughs> because either way, if it's a hot mess, that's kind of better in my opinion. I think. I also don't know. I, mm, again, I don't know where I land on this one. It's kind of an interesting topic to me. But regardless, that's coming up. Okay, now last week, if you remember, we talked. Moving on to the next topic because you remember last week we talked about Team Liquid picking up Nemo and John Takeuchi. Awesome. That's a, that's a solid team. That's two very strong players that play very strong characters. Looking forward to what they can do uh, for Team Liquid. Uh, and then they ran some... And then after that, they ran some some casual sets between two of them. And in this... And this is one of the reasons why I love Yurian. And I'm only sharing this because this is just hot some hot Yurian tech. But Nemo does does dirty on Takeuchi. There is a mix-up here that... I, I That's one of those things about Yurian where it's like... It, there's mix-ups today that I have not seen before. I don't know how it's going to end up. He uses the knees to like hop into the mirror himself, but not push Rashid into the mirror. It's very interesting. Basically putting you in a situation where you have to guess left or right. Um, he had meters, so he probably could have reversaled and then maybe got caught by the by the Aegis. We'd have to do like some weird autocorrect thing of knowing where Yurian would be before the actual mix-up, which... Hell, if you're getting that right, because this one is this one's pretty dirty. 
All right. Just want to point this one out because it's pretty hot. And we had just made that announcement that both these players have joined Team Liquid, which is awesome. And speaking of joining teams, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, Dr. Danny Pham. Uh, this is actually pretty awesome. Uh, he's a really strong player uh, in like the, the Northern California area. Listen, he's Northern California, I think, right? Anyway, uh, or at least West Coast. I know he's West Coast. Regardless, uh, Dr. Danny Pham joining Straight Rippin', which if you're part of the FGC, you might not be familiar with that name. Uh, that's because they are a Halo or Call of Duty uh, esports team. It's typically the, the players that they have on their roster. Uh, and this is their first branch out into the FGC. So uh, big congratulations to Dr. Danny Pham. Uh, if you're not, by the way, if you're not familiar with him, he's also uh, a bodybuilder. Uh, there's been a couple. Did we talk about? Hmm. I wonder if you listen back to a couple of the first episodes. If we do talk about articles written about Dr. Danny Pham and his bodybuilding and his fitness plans for people within the FGC. Uh, Alex Myers on that plan. See them posting pics and oiling each other up all the time on Twitter. It's some good stuff. If you want to see some hot oiled bods, that's the Twitter account you want to follow. So congratulations again to Dr. Danny Pham and hopefully uh, all your uh, exploits go well with the team Straight Rippin'. That's with an eight. <laughs> straight Rippin'. <laughs> Man, that name. That'll get me every time, I think. All right, folks. I know I'm excited for this next topic. Final round, 2018. That's coming up this weekend. So we're like, fuck, a day away, actually, if we want to talk about, like, day one final round stuff. And hot damn. First CPT, or major CPT event of the season. And whoa. Uh, this is a pretty stacked bracket. This happens every year. And because it is the, the first one on the docket, schedule-wise. And oh, boy. Uh, it doesn't look like any bracket is safe honestly there are killers and there is at least two killers in every every pool uh sometimes up to four and it's brutal if you and the link shared here is just the notable notable players in each each pool from a all the way to i but uh, I mean, Nate, well, like, play a game. Just, like, leave a comment of guess guess who's in this pool. Just name any any FGC name, and it will likely be in this pool. Any top player, just throw out a name. I don't care which. Maybe, try, like, try and try and name one that isn't. Let's put it that way. That, will act, that would actually be harder for you to name a player, uh, a top player in the FGC who is, who is not attending uh, this tournament. So it's going to be a brutal one. I'm looking forward to it. And also, I'm kind of looking forward to that Goichi Sonic Fox uh, first 10. Uh, have they decided what day that's going to be on? Are they doing it before or after, after the tournament? I actually don't know that. And I would be... I should look up when that's going to be. What I'm talking about is the... If you, I don't know if I talked about it on the show, but if you haven't followed this, um, also be careful following Sonic Fox on Twitter, by the way. It's just forewarning uh anyone who follows him will, will know what i'm talking about uh he go was it goichi that challenge yeah goichi challenged sonic fox first he said i'm coming for you sonic fox had a really great showing and the last time he won a tournament he uh <laughs> he said you're already dead goichi and this has been 
kind of worked up into the Dragon Ball Fighter Z community pretty well, and I'm looking forward to this uh, meeting of what people are saying are the best DBFZ players, the Fighter Fighter Ball Z, Fighter Ball Z players uh, on the map right now. Those are the two to look out for, and I think I know where I'm putting my money. Although I wonder if you could get different. Hmm, what's the payouts? What are the payouts like for betting against Sonic Fox? I want to know what the split is. I'm gonna talk to my bookie about that. Also, I don't have a bookie because gambling is a sin. And I don't want to go to hell. All right, folks. Next topic. Uh, regardless, final round. Hell, looking forward to it. A lot of great players showing up. Uh, this will be a fun one for sure. Uh, next topic. Speaking of top players, uh, here's a compilation of one of the better, one of the best, maybe the best, uh, Colleen players out there. And it's Nephew. Uh, if you're not familiar with the dude, uh, one Frosty, uh, Street Fighter V uh, with Colleen, uh, has showed up to our weekly tournaments from time to time. Um, very strong Colleen player. Uh, and this is a, let me look at the 10, 10-ish minute breakdown of a lot of good highlights of him just bopping fools. It's a really good compilation. Uh, now, if a Nephew isn't your cup of tea, then maybe... You watch some Neon V. That's another top Colleen player. And I'm going to bring them both out here because they're both very strong Colleen players. They've both been to our weekly. Both of them have N names. Are you guys noticing a pattern? I'm just saying. Maybe, you know, have your gamer tag be a, a name that starts with an N and play Colleen. And maybe you too could, can be a Grandmaster Colleen player who can do well in tournaments. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, regardless, uh, watch both of these. Watch how they both play, because they both kind of have different take on the character uh, and the ways that they play, but they're both still very strong players. And I would specifically say that something that might not come across in these, in these clips, well, not clips, but these highlight reels, is that both of them are strong in the long game, in their adaptation to playing against other players and not necessarily just how they play their own character and how explosive Colleen can be with V-Trigger 2. They're more than that. They're more than just, you know, they got a solid hit and converted into big damage, uh, into Oki. That's not what they're all about. I mean, they can do that stuff and they get their damage in that way, but also in the long set, in the long play, uh, their adaptation and their mindsets and their ability to not crack are actually really strong. I think that that's what really sets these two players apart. And I don't know, compare them for yourselves. And also, if you play Colleen, probably worth picking up a thing or two from both of these very strong players. All right, I want to pull out those highlights before we hop into the next thing, because here's the big topic that's going to take up uh, pretty much the rest of the show. What are we at right now? Minute, about minute 30? Okay. All right, so for the rest of our time here... Um, we're going to talk about the Kimono Michi. I mean, everybody else has been talking about it, and it's worthwhile because, I mean, it was that was a hell of a set. But here's okay. Here's actually the thing: was it was it one hell of a set, or was it just another example of Daigo earning his namesake and beasting on someone in a first to ten? 
because that's really what it was. The whole setup and run up to this tournament has been not tournament, but this this particular set has been extremely exciting. The the video work that they've done, the hype reels that they've they've collected and put together have been extremely exciting, and everyone was looking forward to it uh, with good reason because this is a worthwhile hyped up match. Tokido versus Daigo in a long first attempt. Tokido said, "I would like to." play you in a first attempt to prove my worth as a character as a player because I mean this is like the one thing like even Infiltration who was the, the strongest player at the time won that EVO we've talked about on this show before where Infiltration won EVO uh, this was in FGC history and they also talked about this in the hype reels leading up to this particular match but Infiltration wins EVO goes on to face Daigo a couple months later in a first attempt and Daigo thrashes him it's it's an absolute killing. There's it's a bloodbath. Infiltration didn't have a chance, uh, and a lot of people were leading up to this and looking at it like, well, Infiltration is a very solid player, but Daigo really hasn't won or lost a first to ten, like in recent history, uh, especially when he has time to prep for it, especially when it's just. That's the thing about it is that in this instance and in many of the other instances, there's nothing really on the line. Uh, except for pride and some other stuff that we're going to talk about later when we get into you know, the follow-up after this tournament but or after this first 10 but it was there was a lot riding on this in terms of like their own players self-worth uh, and that made it such a very that made it such a gripping story and Unfortunately, I actually haven't read any really good sports writing on on this match. And, and in the, all the topics that I'll share with you uh, after this, and everything that's been talked about, and every, everyone who's been in, analyzing this match, I mean, analysis of the match is not necessarily in-depth sports writing. Um, and there really hasn't been that, which is... I'm kind of just thinking about this in the moment, but that's actually kind of surprising because this is such, I don't know, such an impactful match, I think, and the after effects have been rippling through the FGC uh, in many ways. If if you have not seen this and you are you follow any of anyone on Twitter or any kind of Facebook group that has anything to do with the FGC, then there's kind of no missing this this was like the main this was like a pay-per-view that was not a pay-per-view that everyone was very excited about this is like your mayweather pacquiao or whatever you know people wanted to watch this match two very strong fighters going at it um and to that i said something that i brought up at the, t at the top of this uh, which is was this actually a great match and I'll say, well, yes, it was a good set. I mean, Infiltration, or not Infiltration, but Tokido, uh, put up a really good fight. He has done a lot better than anyone else might have ever done in a first to 10, let's say. Uh, I think it ended up being five to 10. End of it. Am I correct in thinking that, or was it six to 10? Let me take a look here. Let me just skip to it. Uh, yeah, five ten was the the ending draw there and 
that's pretty good. Uh, a lot of people can't even break three in a long set against Daigo. And just the, the amount of raw focus and the ability uh, shown by Daigo in this long set is just... Uh, that's I mean, that's stunning in its own right. But was the set itself... Was was the competition there for this to be like a, a good... I think that's how... Hmm, okay. Maybe, maybe I'll go back on, on what I'm saying now because I talk about the big booked fights in the last five years, let's say, in boxing, and it's like those weren't like quote-unquote good fights. You don't talk about people talking about how you know equally matched they were. It's like, no, there was kind of an obvious winner here, even if you know someone did put up a good fight. Like, let's say your Tokido put up a good fight here. Uh, he was slayed. The Beast done got him, and... There have been, speaking to that, there have been a lot of very good match analysis, which we'll get into, which kind of speak to how exactly Daigo, I guess, pants Tokido here. Uh, and of course, uh, you can't talk about this match without talking about the after effects uh, and that final bit of the conversation, uh, that final bit of afterwards, Tokido, a man broken down in tears. Uh, Daigo giving that speech and Tokido just not being able to handle it. And that's the kind of heart that when you like, here's the actual shitty thing is that you saw a lot of people on, on Twitter and otherwise saying, man, what? Like, I'm going to cry. Like, come on, man. It's like, did like, did you cry watching Rudy or like any other kind of sports that is moving and has a very personal story to it when someone is so bought into the competition and the love of the game like there's not a whole lot of people who make fun of that side of things like crying just means that you're passionate about it and this was a very passionate fight it's a very passionate dance these two dance together uh and there's just no denying that you can't look at this and say pshaw fidget games that's not what it is because no one's saying pshaw football cry during friday night lights or whatever the hell no one's doing that no one's doing that and you shouldn't do that if you are so putting you guys on watch uh but if you want to do if you wanted a translation of what daigo said afterwards it's actually super touching uh and i want to point out one thing that he did say that like this was the point where if like if you were tokido and in tokido's position and you heard someone saying this to you after such a hard-fought battle on your own part uh i don't i don't know how you hear this and you don't just you don't just break down or your soul is just like dead so he says while engaging in these efforts okay let's actually go back to the top I've been working hard on every past match but I prepared even harder for this to make this quality much much more polished while engaging in these efforts I reaffirmed my honest feelings towards fighting games which still remains the same and I wanted to show it to and then he pauses because hmm. he was about to say wanted to show it to well there are a lot of viewers here but that wasn't that important for me this time I wanted to show it especially for Tokido and like even reading those words right now I'm like a little flushed I felt the the things that you would feel in the face area right now I got that wave of emotion reading that that just 
Oh, I might need a tissue. Well, there's the whole translation there if you want to read it. And also, speaking of translations, I want to get into the next topic. Uh, the next, well, not topic, but the next link that would be shared in the comments if you are following point by point, which, you know, a lot, from what I've heard, a lot of people are going point by point on this. They, they have their clipboards ready. And no one's doing that. So next bullet point, and the next uh, link that was shared is a really long uh, translation of a, an interview with Daigo talking specifics about this fight and what happened uh, after this fight and during this fight, uh, how he prepared for it. And I actually want to pull out a couple things from this that I think are worth topic, talking about, at least on this podcast. Uh, in addition to what I would recommend reading through the whole thing, because it's it's very good read in particular getting into the mind of a killer like this uh, is that who his training partners were and how Daigo treated his training partners because he didn't just pick someone that was already a strong Akuma he took an up and coming Akuma Otani and he said I will teach you what I know I will teach you to be strong to Maybe even beat me. I will teach you the things on how an, an Akuma would beat me so that I can sharpen you to sharpen myself. And there's a very interesting mentality on display here in Daigo's words, which there are some translations here that might be lost, or at least some cultural translations that I might not even understand. But there's, there's a harshness there to it that says, like, I did this because... I like I could have chosen anybody, but I specifically chose you, and I'm sharing with you, Otani, information that is, you know, this is valuable shit. So you better like, you know, buck like man up and like be a good training partner and like put that on someone else's shoulders. Like, I will make you strong to make myself strong. This is a very interesting way to to train for such an event. It's the first time that he trained this way for this event. Um, training with Otani and um, the other name, Rinta. I think I'm saying that right. Not entirely sure. Uh, but those are the two players that he played with, and it's, it's interesting to get into that mindset and what that would mean uh, for someone that's training f against the best Akuma, one might say, uh, in Tokido. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to bring up from, I mean, there's a lot to talk about here. I could talk about this set and the after effects of it for a while, but the other thing, at least in this long interview is how he treated the neutral and I think a lot of other people who've been talking about match analysis have talked about this and I think this is something worth covering is Daigo standing in the neutral and not walking backwards not walking forward and not crouch blocking but just standing and what that means is, you know, how can you react to that? And what does it mean for your reactions as a player? What does that allow you to do? What does that give you the ability to do? If your your left hand is just not doing anything, I suppose, and you're just you're doing nothing with this hand, what does that free up mentally? And also, what does that free up in the game? How much space does that free up, especially for crouch block? Because of course, your hurt box is fattened when you crouch, and also you can't move. And also, to do anything else, you have to get out of crouch first and then do the action. A whole slew of things that Daigo gets into, and in fact, a lot of people got into, which is the next topic, uh, specifically from this article, that particular snippet. Uh, and a whole long conversation about what that means and how to apply that to your own game. And 
kind of what that means as a player and how you should apply this and how you might want to think about the neutral it's good stuff uh, and there's examples of exactly you know what happened here and what's being talked about so if if even just me talking about it doesn't give you an idea of what I mean when I say no Daigo standing in the neutral not moving back or forth not crouch blocking just standing upright even though he plays guile when like that's the other second thing that I always I hate giving that advice of always be charging it's like very entry this is definitely an aside uh, so I'm sorry while I derail the conversation for a minute but whenever a new player comes to learn charge characters because that will happen because everyone's like I want to learn the motions first and then like for whatever reason charge characters like come second usually uh, and you'll hear someone say I just can't wrap my head around charge characters or when like when to charge and then you'll always 100% of the time see someone say ABC's always be charging and that advice isn't it's not it's not good I don't think it's not descriptive enough of actually what you should be doing which is like really you should only be charging during your extra frames I always say ABC DEF during extra frames because if you were always charging the whole time you would just be sitting on crouch block and that allows so much more freedom for your opponent to to work in the neutral and so much more to do where if all you're thinking of is I need to be charging you also have to ask yourself do I need to be charging for anything right now like why would bison have back charge does he need to have back charge at any given moment no not really kind of doesn't like he doesn't need to have it or why would you want to have it at any at any given time you have to ask yourself these questions and you have to also open up your ability to do two things at once like do a bazooka knee and then charge back because you're gaining ground while also maintaining charge so you can have that sonic boom after it's already done or a neutral jump perfectly fine action doesn't move you forward or backwards stay in one place really except vertically neutral jump but then immediately start holding back you gain your charge during the extra frames where you can't you can literally do nothing else but charge you can't perform any other action Except for maybe hit a button, but you're not performing a special move from, from that stance. A whole slew of other things. Like during the recovery of things or during the start of a combo, during a jump forward, you'll definitely have enough time to get your down charge at the start of that combo if you do a jump in. Or, you know, during the link between stand hard punch to crouching medium punch, that's enough time to charge a flash kick. That's when you have to do it and not just be always charging because that's, that's not nuanced enough for someone who will receive that information and misconstrue it that's always the the trick that you have to at least be weary of when trying to teach new players is that how will the information i'm telling them be misconstrued in the future and that's one of the things i'm always very careful about especially when it comes to charge characters of you got to be careful about that because it will put in the mindset of oh i always have to be defensive or moving backwards or moving down not true not true at all uh, and that's very exemplified by what Daigo has to say here after the Kimono Michi when he talks about just standing because it, there's no value intrinsically if you just, just to look at it of on paper oh that doesn't really have value of just standing there but no it actually has a lot of value uh, and it was shown to have a lot of value because Daigo Bop Tokido was kind of a slaughter um, 
I know I talked about that interview with Daigo, but here was a brief interview uh, with Tokido. Uh, not a ton of information can necessarily be gained by this, but I did kind of want to give Tokido a little bit of a little bit of slack here. Yes, he was the loser. Uh, yes, he did cry after he lost. Yes, all of these things. It was a slang. Uh, regardless, uh, he did have a little bit of stuff to say or little things that he can say, how he might want to think about moving forward in the future with fighting games and how he walked into that match, his mindset, all that good stuff. Give him a little bit of credence here. Uh, this is actually an interview uh, translation from the same people from the Daigo one, uh, FugoTabetai.com. I am probably mangling that name, and I should apologize to someone for it, probably. Um, it's a general apology. Um, so this gives a little bit of credence to Tokido before and after the match, and I want to give him a little little props here. Oops, had this one on replay. Uh, highlight reel from Tokido. <laughs> this was actually posted to the sub, kind of in response. Uh, was it in response? I don't know. Probably. This was probably posted in, in response to Tokido losing the, the first 10 Kimono Michi. Um, it's a highlight reel of Tokido and his his victory uh, in EVO and kind of throughout the year in the CPT. I mean, he got second place. It's a legendary EVO run. And also other moments that Tokido has done. So it goes back to like uh, pretty much most of Tokido's filmed history. All of the top moments are here. Uh, things that we've talked about on this podcast before in terms of FGC history. A lot of that stuff can be found here. Uh, regardless, uh, I don't know if this was posted in response to, to Tokido losing, but I have to imagine that it was. And the conversation that happened in this thread would imply that because he's just a strong player and it's awesome to watch strong players compete. And him losing to Daigo in a first to 10 does not make him a bad player or make him you know like it, it puts him among a ton of other people who have exceeded extremely well in the FGC or succeeded extremely well in the FGC and Dog even opens up in his uh, his winning speech of uh, what is it uh, to Tokido you already defeated me at everything else so he started that uh and this is kind of just another, you know, homage to the man, the legend, Tokido, Murderface himself. Uh, it's all good stuff, and it's a long explanation of, you know, what has, what he's accomplished so far in the FGC. Okay. Moving on to the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about match analysis. Uh, shared a couple here that were shared on the sub. There's more out there, I know. I think James Chen did one a couple days ago, but I don't know if that's archived to YouTube. Uh... And it certainly wasn't shared on the sub yet, if it has been, or shared on Twitch. I don't know. They did talk about it on Ultra Chen this week, but I haven't seen the clips for it quite yet. So I don't know if they're out there, but I haven't looked today, so I, I could be wrong. I looked yesterday. They were not up. Uh, regardless, Sejam uh, went through and talked about his opinions on the match and where he saw people standing or saw... Daigo standing where he saw Tokido trying to do in the neutral talks about neutral jumps all that good stuff um, and this is more of a probably skewed towards Daigo's perspective on the match not so much Tokido's perspective uh, and I shared this one to talk about the next one 
or the next uh, next uh, link shared is Sheldon did a run through of this match as well and this would definitely be on the side of of Akuma and he says that kind of at the beginning of what Tokido might be thinking and what is possible uh, at any given time and he definitely has you know he's definitely biased in terms of what opinions he can share and what he has to be thinking of when he watched this uh, watch this match this Daigo versus Tokido Akuma versus Guile because he also plays Akuma and so it would make sense that he comes at it from the perspective of an Akuma player so maybe if you want some some Guile or general basics watch the Seijam I watched both I enjoyed both there's information to glean from either of them I recommend it to anyone I'm gonna watch as many if you make an analysis of this video, I'm probably going to watch it. Honestly, I I kind of can't get enough of this stuff because and if you write an article about this, I'll fucking read it. I haven't seen that yet. Hopefully someone's working on it. I want to see, I want to see some in-depth reporting on this. Learn me the history of it. Go through or not me, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Regardless, uh, two very good analyses, analyses, analyses or analyses. Yeah. Thank you. That's my editor. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, then I'm definitely looking forward to many of the other ones that have uh, showed up throughout the week. But again, Sejam, for if you want to look at it through the general perspective, maybe a little bit leaning towards uh, Daigo's side. And then we got Sheldon's, which is probably leaning a little bit towards um, Tokido's side in terms of you know the tech that they might be, those players might be thinking about at any given time. It's all good stuff. Okay, which then brings us to, that's the topic. That's it. That's our last one that we're going to talk about. There's a, probably more that I can, I'm not going to go through and give a full breakdown of the match as has been done at nauseum. I might do that in the future if you guys want to see that. That might not be a podcast thing. That might be a, a YouTube channel thing. So if you guys want that, let me know. Uh, I could run through it. I haven't thought about doing that yet. Uh, because I'm already recording an hour show every week. Uh, I can talk about that set for probably a good hour and a half. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, the set itself is long enough. Uh, also, by the way, uh, the link that I shared to that set uh, specifically is the one on Daigo Beast TV. Uh, the T is shared between TV. That's Daigo's official YouTube channel. Don't watch it anywhere else. And also, that goes to any content creator, any buddy who is creating content within the FGC, uh, any players or locals who are running events and streaming it, make sure you're watching that broadcast and make sure you watch, make sure that you are watching the, the replays, the VODs from that broadcaster. Make sure that's official. Uh, I, I don't know why this is still important to say, but it keeps coming up. These things get ripped immediately and posted to YouTube and they the way that YouTube works, the it boosts the views for people who have ripped the content, and it doesn't go to the creators themselves. So always, not just this one. This is a this is a huge organization. It even happens to them. So this is definitely happening to little guys as well. Uh, so I want to give just a little bit moment of awareness. Make sure it's the 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 correct one. And also, side note, if you ever see anything that's like ripped content from tournaments or anything like that, that is taking views away from the original creators on the subreddit please report that to the mods uh 
it's it's difficult to police that stuff uh, ourselves. Our team isn't that big to always track down source for everything to at least know when source has not been posted. So please, if you see that, or if you are the creator especially, or see something from anyone else, let us know, report it, just say not source. I think there's a report button for that as well, or an option in the reports. So you can just click on that and we'll know, we'll look at it, we'll remove it, and make sure to post the actual source so that gets the actual views. Just an aside, it's very important. Okay, off my soapbox. That brings us to everyone's most hated segment. And by everyone, I mean my hate, most hated segment, which is shitpost of the week, folks. That's right. And I think it's kind of obvious where I'm going to head with this shitpost of the week. I mean, I'm going to dive head first into the shitpost of the week. Just slide right into it from the Komodo Michi right at the back end all the way to all your Tokido memes. It's, collect it's a collective memory of Tokido crying. There's been a lot of it. And there's actually... Is, I'm actually like pretty good art here. Uh, this watercolor is pretty good. I thought that was pretty decent starting out. It's a collective shitpost of the week. That's right. Everyone who contributed to <laughs> to the if you had your thumb on the pulse of the FGC and decided I want I too want to draw Tokido crying after the Kimono Michi. You're included in the, this week's shitpost of the week. Uh, here's a really good watercolor. Uh, here's a manga-like of Akuma comforting Tokido, which is actually like a... That's a, a very skilled drawing, actually. That's very good. That's a very good drawing. Uh, that's That one's very touching and heartwarming. Uh, that one's pretty good. Uh, this one was done by Quasimodox, which is just a cry 1,000 tears. Oh, no. Oh, Tokido. He even cries that. Oh, oh yikes. That one gets me. And then this one, which is the the foreground background with Daigo and Tokido. All very good stuff. All shitposts of the week. So a big group hug to the shitposts of this week. Congratulations to anyone who drew a meme of, of Tokido crying. Because you are a winner in my heart and also a loser in in my heart. It's kind of it's a dichotomy of, of how I feel. All right. And now leading into our final segment, folks, we're going to lead into the segment, which is where we talk about a match in history and the FGC history. So I went back and I took a look uh, at all of the matches this week. I went through all of the FGC. I watched every single match. I have the time to do that. Scoured the Internet for potential matches for this week. Which one would be perfect? Uh and I know we talked about this last week of sharing something that wasn't quite you know, that history quite yet. Uh, and again, kind of following that this week. Don't have to reach too far back into into history. Only 2017 is where this one came from. Not even that long ago. Uh, and is actually the first long set in recent history that Daigo has lost. Uh, that's right, folks. Daigo lost in a long set. Itazan versus, yeah, ads. Uh, Itazan versus Daigo in the Coliseum final battle. Uh, what this was, give a little breakdown, is Daigo the Beast TV uh, was receiving donations kind of throughout the year and gaining a big pot of money uh, to then be, I was going to say gambled away, but it's not really gambled away because the opponent, which was decided through a series of tournaments, or a, a, a tournament series, 
uh, would then face off against Daigo in the end uh, in a long set, not actually a first to 10. I think that's important to note here. It's not a first to 10. Uh, this is, the rules here are a little bit different. Regardless, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, and the rules were such that, or the set was such that all of the money collected through donations would be on the line. So the competitor would not be gambling because they have nothing on the line, but this was more of just a Daigo giving away the money to like the winner of the money. But I think about the legalities of this and thinking about Japan's laws at the time, especially they were probably like right on, like skirting right on the edges of you know, how much money could they give away at any one time to look into the specifics of that. But regardless, that's how this match was set up and this is how it was built. And so at the end of it, Daigo's gonna have a long set between, now I say long set, uh, between the winner of the tournament series, which ended up being Itazan. Uh, Itazan, of course, playing Zangief at the time. Daigo playing Guile. This is actually when he started really transitioning over to Guile. He hadn't quite fully done it yet. He's still kind of playing, like thinking about Ryu, not really playing Ryu, but Guile versus Zangief, a hard matchup for Zangief. A lot of people saw this and were like, this will be a joke, this is free. But uh, 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 Itazan loves to gamble. Uh, and the way that this set happened was not, again, I'll go back to the rule set. I alluded to it earlier. Uh, not actually a first to 10. So what was it? It more so played out like tennis, if you're familiar. Uh, so how this worked was to get advantage to, let's put it way, to score a point. They had to get, they had to win three rounds and to win a round, you had to score two points and to earn a point, you had to win two matches in a row. So it's like you had to like in tennis, like near the end of this uh, set of tennis is that you have to get advantage by winning one round. So you won your round, you now have the advantage. Now after you have the advantage, if you win again a second time in a row, you now gain a point. If you have to win two in a row. But let's say Daigo wins one round, he has the advantage, but then he loses the next round, he's lost the advantage. Back to, back to neutral, no one has the advantage. So then, uh, it gets into a weird scoring system. And if you actually look at the set and how it plays out, if this was a normal first to 10, Daigo would have won. I think the score there was like 10 to four. Uh, but in the end of it, Itazan technically wins on a technicality of Daigo's own creation. So congratulations, Daigo. You played yourself out of like $10,000. It's kind of a ridiculous amount uh, to be giving away, especially in Japan for a like, quote unquote competition. Uh, kind of nuts and a very good set. At least I think this is a very, this is an extremely exciting set, especially from, if you understand the matchup at all, the Zangief, Zangief versus Guile, should not go in in Guile's direction, or it should not go in Zangief's direction. It should always come up Guile, especially in a long set. That's like how like matchups are are said, right? It's like out of ten. Uh, this one's bad for Zangief, and like it's not like Daigo's free. Itazan is just so good, and his mental ability here to like basically blow up Daigo in the end. Uh, 
definitely worthwhile to watch. A very exciting set and high stakes. Like not technically stakes from from Itazan's side because he has no money. He has no stake in the game in terms of money, but like he had enough to win. Like those were the stakes and Daigo had enough to lose. Uh, definitely worth a watch and stick out through the end. Uh, the comeback here is just so, so good. Uh, but yeah, a weird rule set. I don't think that this will like really be adopted uh, by any other um, people who are trying to run along sets because it is it's a little funky. FGC players aren't necessarily tennis players. I get it, uh, but it's fun. It, it was a fun set, uh, fun to watch, at least from my perspective as a Zangief main. I get it. I'm probably biased as I do. Uh, fun, fun match to watch, and it was like the one set that I could find where Daigo actually. Like, "Quote unquote," lost the the long set, lost the first to ten. Thought I'd share that. But however, if you didn't look at it through a first to ten, Tokido still did better. Got five. It is only one four before Daigo got ten. But regardless, folks, that's a show. That's the end of it. Coming to end. So, how do we sign off, folks? Uh, again. I'm Joe Monday. You can reach me at Super Joe Monday. Uh, please, uh, reminder that if you leave a review, for every review that this podcast gets, I'll donate a dollar to the uh, the player sponsorship. Uh, that money actually won't go towards Chris CCH. Reminder to that as well. This is actually going to go towards the following sponsorship, which could be a list of. There's. I just tweeted out a list of players from the Reddit account. Uh, the, the our Street Fighter account on Twitter, which is at Reddit SF. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, I'll probably do an update to that because I think L. I think someone had to drop out, or at least they declined sponsorship here uh, for this current next event for Combo Breaker. Uh, but regardless, that's all laid out in in the conversation there, which you guys can see if you follow at Reddit SF. Uh, but that's the show, folks. Uh, catch us every Thursday usually. I think I've got a couple shows new challengers coming uh, new challengers are approaching folks. I uh, got a couple lined up uh, don't know exactly when they're going to be so I'm not going to say who it is but been talking to a couple people we're going to have some guests on. Usually those are released on Tuesdays but we'll see how that all goes. Uh, so look forward to that it could come next Tuesday. It could come the following Tuesday. I don't know. But regardless, folks, we got the West Coast tournament on Friday with Kamikaze Warrior. We've got the Monday tournament and the Round Robin uh, next week. So look forward to that stuff. And also look forward to the final round and, you know, maybe what Sonic Fox and Go Eat. I'm so, man, I can't wait to see that bloodbath. That's going to be exciting, folks. And with that, I will leave you. And remember, folks, with this podcast... Muscle power fully open! Have a good night, folks, and have a good week. We'll see you, catch you guys next time on another edition of RSF Radio. But until next time, take care.